Welcome back to another episode, fellas. I'm your host, Zach, joined by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Chris and Preston. Also, we have a special guest. We have Steven from the Puck Wave. Go follow all of his socials. They're going to be down below. How are you guys doing today? Hello. Doing good. I'm excited to actually talk to like some proper Sabres fans. I know you guys want to specify on the other teams in the league, but as an honorary Sabre Buffalo person, I like to call myself. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, boys. How was the uh, how was the Sabers Devils game the other night? It was hectic. Yeah. Um, there was an incident that required me leaving early, so I probably only saw like twenty minutes of the game. That's brutal. And uh, yeah, heard it was a good one though. Yeah, it was a nice back and forth game. Yeah, the Sabers didn't have a goalie that game, so yeah. Or a defense. Yeah, it was Devin Comrie, right? Uh, Eric Comrie, yeah, he got hurt though, and then Ukapeka Lukadim came in and played like complete ass. It should happen though. You and, and we were and we were down to the fenceman because he, he got kicked out of the game. So yeah, it was just a lot. I did see. I did run into the Connor Clifton. I guess like I don't know the small United Nations group that he brought to the game. And I was like, <laughs> there's a lot of people in his jersey. That's very odd. And then I. I checked Twitter when I get back, and it was like it's 25 members of his family. I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And it's happened a bunch of times that, like, random players, I happen to go to games when their family is there. Like, last year I went to a game in New Jersey against the Kings. I'm not even kidding. I had to have seen 40 members of Kevin Fiala's family, and they were all wearing the same silver (laughs) jersey. It was really weird. So many of them. Really? That's kind of weird. Usually it's only when players are from that area, you know, families come in. But, uh. That, yeah. Hey, you like the support, though, that they show for the players. But anyways, yeah. though, we're going to dive right into this. And so we promised you guys over the summer that we start a new segment called Dominating the Ice. And we feel like it's enough into the season where we can finally do it. And we have three players listed here for you. And who's the first player here? Uh, Jack Hughes. Dude, I, pers- personally, we'll dive more into Jack Hughes later in the video. But... Jack Hughes right now is looking like an absolute stud, looking like one of the best players in the league. And dude is just putting up heart trophy type numbers, man. And it's nice because everybody after one season was calling him a bust. Second season, everything kind of looked better. And now not only this past week, but also the entire season, he's been balling out, man. Yeah, I remember when people were calling him like one of the worst first overall picks like ever, just after two years. And like, you got to remember, he was a teenager still. Like, it's, it takes guys different times. And now, like, he's finally caught up to his body and he's just obliterating everybody on the ice. Yeah. I mean, not everyone's Connor McDavid and can come into the NHL right away and produce. Sometimes yeah. it takes a little while. Even, it's even number one picks. Like, not everyone number one yeah, picks, yeah. like, a generational player that just day one, like, like instantaneously a superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to excuse the behaviors of people on the internet just because you know you can't do that um but in recent memory it's like the only times that we were right about calling a player a bust after like six games was the two picks that the rangers made and caco and lafreniere neither here nor there <laughs> but like we're still right about those then and we are now um but yeah the jack hughes one was so premature buddy was literally just coming off of like high school probably went to like a senior prom and then went into rookie camp and then was expected to, you know, score 80 points in the NHL. It wasn't going to happen. 
been a long progression. I've had the pleasure of watching it the entire way through. I remember even two years ago when he signed the eight year, eight million per season yeah. extension. Everybody was like, wow, this is a waste of money. Not even later on into that season, everybody was like, Tom Fitzgerald just committed a robbery on his own franchise. Oh, so, yeah, that, that's a bargain now. Eight million a year for him, that's a bargain. If I'm He's cor- definitely 10 plus now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't When they when he signed that extension, didn't Jack Hughes start off super slow in that season too and took off in the second part of the season? I think he, he was hurt most of that season yeah, or like the he got, beginning he, of it. He got hurt for a few weeks, then came back, and then they said that same day he signed the extension. Yeah, I remember when they signed. I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, everyone was calling it like a horrible contract immediately. Like, yeah, I rem- that was crazy. I remember that. That's now the barometer, at least in my opinions. I like to tell everybody I'm an unbiased, you know, National Hockey League person. But of course, you know, I'm going to rep the Devils wherever. But like my barometer now is like, well, he makes X amount more than Jack Hughes. So it's like, is it really worth it? Most of the times it's not, but you know. Do you think Jack Hughes is mad at himself though for signing that? No, because I don't know. If you You're not like get why he knows he that Luke it. is probably gonna pan out also. So like he wants to play with his brother probably long term. So I think any if if Luke wasn't there, hypothetically, like I'm sure he'd be like, Oh shoot. But knowing that he's going to take a discount and probably get to play with his brother for, let's say, at least five years after when Luke resigns in a couple of years. So I think it'll pay out. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of move that wins Stanley Cups when you have like a bunch of top players like taking discounts so you can round out that depth. Like that's why teams like the Bruins have been good for so long, because they constantly have guys taking discounts. And you got a bunch of these young guys in New Jersey just entering the prime of their career and they're going to be really good for a really long time. The Devils right now, like, in my opinion, the Devils are one of the premier teams in the Eastern Conference, especially with, you know, we we have always, well, I guess the Lightning and Bruins, they're getting older. They're more of a veteran-type team now. They're not as fast anymore. And we saw the Lightning and Bruins struggle keeping up with faster teams, especially like the Devils, the Sabres, even the Wings and Sens, etc. So the Devils right now are entering this, are, are starting this new wave of, fast hockey teams that are just going to take over the league and at so- sooner or later they're going to be one of the well if not they're already one of the fastest teams in the league and i think that'll help to their advantage we're running out of this era of teams being like oh like big bad and everything and throwing body checks and stuff when it's it's hard to throw a body check when people are skating 23 miles per hour right past you in a blink of an eye right and you're kind of seeing that like <laughs> that Older, like the okay, Ryan Reeves, for example, gets so much camera time for somebody that doesn't contribute. Oh, he's awful. I don't get why people love him so much. He's not even, to me, he's like a fake fake tough guy. Like, he'll talk, 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 man. He never wants to go. Like, he'll go when he has to, but he's just a talker. I don't like him. He had that one comment or whatever about, um, what was it, Jack Eye, where he and Jack Eye like jumped Reeves and everything, but like. He was like, oh, like, you know, I, I only lost a fight because I got jumped and everything. Like, I'm not about that life and everything. Like, I honestly, I thought that was a dumb comment. But Definitely. Moving on here to the second player, to a defenseman in Adam Fox. He played three games this past week, had five points. He's looking like a North Sophie candidate once again. He's one, In my opinion, I think he's the second best defenseman in the league behind Cal McCarr. But the week he has just been outstanding. And he's... 
pro- honestly, you could probably call him the best player on the Rangers here. Uh, he's definitely one of the best players. I mean, they still got Igor Shosturkin. And Panarin. Pretty, like, uh, I don't know if I could keep Panarin up there still, I, I, but Shosturkin is like the part of that team. But Adam Fox, he's a really, really good player. Um, a lot of people forget. I think was it wasn't Nashville that drafted him. Calgary. Or Calgary. no, was it, I think it was Calgary, and then he got tra- his rights got traded to Carolina, and then he signed with the Rangers as a free agent. As a yeah, free agent, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel bad for the. I'm sure those teams are so pissed that he refused to sign with them. Yeah, especially since Calgary drafted him in like the third round. Yeah, kind of, kind of like the GC Jimmy VC thing, but instead of him su- like sucking like VC did, he's actually a stud. So, yeah, I think. Of Fox and Shesterkin, like that dynamic, because they're clearly the two best players. It's so obvious. What I mean, Shesterkin obviously has to play ninety percent of the games because Jonathan Quick is doing well currently. But how sustainable is that? Uh, spoiler: not very. But uh, with Fox not on the ice, that defense is nothing great. And with especially with Shesterkin not in that, that just should worry you. Even though, like I said, Quick has been playing well, but it's it's very apparent those are the top two guys for that team. Yeah, I mean, I think he Andre Miller's been okay. Like I know he's younger. Uh, Jacob Truba just likes to murder people. Uh, don't I don't really like him too much. But yeah, I mean, outside of Fox and Miller, I don't really like their defensive depth too much. Like that, like you said, the life of that team is Igor Shosturkin. And they go as far as he takes them. I know we're, we're bringing up Fox, but if Fox isn't on his game, maybe he's just going to step up. And Fox can't be on the ice all the time. Yeah. That's very true. Moving on here to our goalie is going to be none other than Jonas Johansson, who played two games this week and had two shutouts. And you might be saying, like, what, like, who is him if you don't already know who he is? Well, he is, he's basically been on, he's been on Buffalo, he's been on Colorado, etc. He comes to Tampa Bay and Vassy gets hurt. And, the Lightning, instead of going out and getting a goalie, whether it's trading, which I don't think trading for a goalie was really the work, or claiming one off of waivers, they like Jonas Johansson's our guy. And, I mean, he has an 895 career save percentage, and the Lightning are turn- making, well, yeah, they're making him look like an elite goalie. And, obviously, with Vassy out until the uh, for, like, another month or so, they're, gonna ha- they're playing more structured hockey. And it seems like not only is Jonas Johansson making the saves he needs to be, but also they're playing great team defense around him, and I think it's helped him out a lot. And, again, two shutouts in the same week is very impressive for any goaltender in this league. Every time I think of Jonas Johansson, I think about um, one of those tweets from, like, a Buffalo Sabres beat reporter when the Sabres – he, he, they traded him to Colorado during the bubble year, and he said wholeheartedly – this is the worst goalie I've ever seen in the NHL. He's even horrible in practice. You know, I'm good for him. Like, I feel like that's kind of followed him everywhere he's going. Like, he's bad. He's bad. And he's finally he's in Tampa, and he's doing really, really well right now. Obviously, I don't think this is sustainable long term. But you know, he goes from being like an afterthought to like, oh, you got to start him to being a pretty solid backup option when uh, Vasilevsky comes back. Yeah, I mean, he definitely looks like a great backup option. You know. Obviously, Vassie's going to be the starter. There's, you know, no matter how good Johansson plays, Vassie's the starter. But uh, I, I definitely think this reminds me a lot of when Devin Levi came up last year, where the Sabres, you know, they wouldn't play well in front of, you know, their other goalies. But when Levi came up, they did a really good chance at, you know, keeping them out of the middle and, you know, keeping the shots to the outside, letting Levi see the puck. 
And I, I think, you know, that that's what's happening for the Lightning. It's they're just trying to play better team defense so Johansson isn't getting exposed. I don't want to derail this conversation, but is that a real tweet that you were referencing about Johansson yes. like yes. three years ago? Yes. yes. So I that's a like legitimately wild thing that I've never heard. That how does someone actually say that? I, I mean, know. he was horrible. Uh, when he was, it, in, it was with true. the Sabres, he was like gen- the worst, one of the worst goalies I've ever seen he in my would, life. I, I, I was one of those crazy people that watched a lot of the Sabres games during that COVID year when we were like the worst team in NHL history. Johansson was horrible. I don't <laughs> think I don't think I've seen a worse goalie during that period of time or before he even got to Tampa Bay than Jonas Johansson. And like you said earlier, Preston, props to Johansson to be able to come out, like have a come up and everything to start the season. You know, I'm just I'm glad to see him doing this. Um, as long as it's not against Buffalo. Um, but besides that, though, props to Johansson. But I mean, he played well in the game. He yeah. played against the Sabers. I mean, Lightning was too slow. That yeah, he he played well. Yeah. He was trying to have a revenge game. <laughs> this close. Um, but Dylan Cousins had other thoughts. Yes, my boy DC twenty four. Um, but we ended up touching on Jack Hughes earlier in the video for a forward, and we're gonna touch on him more here. And this dude in my opinion, is clearly the hard favorite. Yeah. I mean, dude, he has 18 points in eight games. He's he's one of the leaders of that team. He's looking like an absolute stud. I mean, right now, dude, I can see him. If he if he stays healthy, stays on the ice, and plays 78 to 82 games, you can see him get I, – dude, I can see him getting 120, 125 points. Now, obviously, is – two points per game sustainable in the NHL hell no but again getting 120 points with this start he's had is not far-fetched at all yeah he's been really impressive to watch uh you know he's just he's out there he's in command like this is his team you're not taking the puck from me I'm gonna do what I want and he's just asserting himself out there and he looks super confident I know this is gonna be a stretch but you know this is kind. Of, he's he's kind of having a run that reminds me of like Connor McDavid during the bubble year, where he's playing you know all the Canadian teams and he's just scoring whenever he wants. The point Preston made was a really good one because you can see over like the course of his career, his running the team point uh point guard quarterback mentality. It's grown and developed, and now you're seeing like he sees where the other players on his line are going, and it's incredibly obvious who he wants, where they want him, where he wants them to go. Like, look at Tyler Toffoli; he had a slow start, and now he's got what five goals his last set or seven goals in five games or something ridiculous like that. It's just he's putting people where they need to be, and they know where they need to go, and he's just getting it there. And he's leading this power play, which is one of the best. I mean, it's only been two weeks, but it's already on pace as one of the best in NHL history. There's... I mean, we'll we'll see if that's sustainable. But I mean, they're going to be a good power play all year. I mean, that top that top power yeah. play unit is yeah. just loaded. That that dude, that fire power on not only the top one but the second one as well. I mean, you had Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Esper Pratt, Nico Heischer, and Tyler Toffoli just alone on that power play. That's absolutely disgusting. They got the other Hughes brother too, who is Luke. just starting to like scratch the the surface mm-hmm. of. I guess this is technically his rookie year. Yeah, yeah um... can't leave out Dougie. Hey, 
Hamilton on that power play. He is absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I always. I, they have too many guys, man. Give me a break. I can't remember everybody. <laughs> Dawson Mercer. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Dawson um, Mercer is a player. Yeah, I like their power play because they actually like move. Like watching the Sabres power play is like the worst thing in the planet because they all literally just fucking stand still and wait for Tage Thompson to go open to one time it. It's like, actually the most annoying, frustrating thing to watch. Like, and I get so but frustrated last year. when I see other teams running their power play and the guys are just moving constantly because it keeps the defenders moving. It just infuriates me when the Sabres just fucking stand there. Dude, I... It's funny that you you say that because sometimes when I see the Devils, I'm like, can we not pass the puck like so much? Like, somebody please shoot it out. I don't care which one of you tries to shoot it on net, but I could see why if in your instance, like, if you know who's getting it and it's like, it's not going to work. Don't force it. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that we both have that feeling. It's. It, I feel like the Sabres get lucky sometimes with the power play because they'll feed it to Tage and he just takes a one-timer and just goes through the goalie. Like, I feel like sometimes Tage doesn't need that. Like, obviously his aim is one of, he has one of the best shots in the league. But I feel like sometimes when he takes that one-timer and just, like, hits off, like, the goalie's armpit or something, just squeaks in because it's so damn hard. I feel like the Sabres power play gets lucky sometimes. Like, I've also noticed they don't use the bumper as much as what a lot of teams do. Like... Like, I get sometimes Cousins uh, talk and, like, Skinner will rotate the bumper, but it seems like Skinner just sits in the corner and everything. Skinner should not be on the power play. Right. Like, I, like if you're going to – if you if you want Olsen or Thompson or, or whoever, like, on the wings, fine and everything, but you got to create some rotation. Like, it seems like just Darlene and Thompson and whoever else is on the right wing, they just sit in one place and it's frustrating. I'm sorry we got yeah, off topic the, a little the, bit. The, but... Sabres, the Sabres power play is literally – Darlene passing it back and forth between Thompson and Cousins, and then Tuck and Skinner just stand there. <laughs> it's infuriating. Thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek, and use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. If you guys are looking to go to any NHL games or just any event in general, you guys can go to the SeatGeek app or website at the search bar at the top of the screen. You can search whichever event you're looking to go to, and then it's going to end up bringing all the ticket choices for your selection. It's going to end up rating your tickets to whatever value they are so let's say it's a dark green that means the value of the ticket you're looking at is really really good if it's going to be a dark red that means the value of the ticket isn't really that great and also it's going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 inside that circle so let's say it's an 8.3 out of 10 that's really good if it's a 1.3 out of 10 that's really bad i wouldn't recommend doing the red seats i would recommend doing the Kind of like the 8 to 10 range or the dark green. Again, best prices guaranteed. Use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. So moving on here to how badly the Edmonton Oilers suck without Connor McDavid because it is absolutely atrocious. I I know most people have predicted the Oilers to finish top three in the Pacific, and I know I might be overreacting a little bit, but... The Oilers could end up missing the playoffs and McDavid doesn't put up 150 points again, man. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think that's a little bit of a overreaction. Okay. Um, my biggest issue with the Oilers is they have no depth. They have McDavid. They have Drysdale. They have a good like top line, like a couple good top six guys. They have what Darnell Nurse, but and he like a defense. Like none of their defensemen are really that good at playing defense. They don't have a goalie. Like they have no depth, and you can't win when you build your team like that. Like. 
I I like Evan Bouchard with my entire heart, but he he's can, a specialist, right? Exactly. He gets not only does he get most of his points on the power play, he can create some offense. But I I don't like looking at plus minus. But dude's a minus eight right now. That he's a power play guy, David. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ekholm's not a bad player, but he's another offensive minded defenseman. Darnell Nurse is overpaid, and he's not that good for what they pay him. I mean, what, like Cody CC, Brett Kulak, like their defense's core is horrible. Like literally no depth on the on forward, and they have two shitty goalies. Yeah, they're they're riding they're riding the coattails of Stuart Skinner being a uh, you know a phantom uh, Calder finalist. Yeah, I don't know how he got nominated. No, no idea. Oh, he got That's nominated because he played fifty games. That's why. Yeah, he played fifty games. Cool. <laughs> the best way I can kind of think or try to explain this Edmonton Oilers team, how it's constructed to like a normal person is comparing them to the Chicago Bulls of the 90s during their second three-peat. So let's just say hypothetically, MJ is McDavid, obviously. Scotty Pippen is Dreisaitl and Evander Kane is Dennis Rodman. That last one, probably a bad comparison, but (laughs) bear with me for a minute. Um, Evander Kane and Dennis Rodman needed to do whatever the two of them wanted to do. We all know what Evander Kane has done off the ice way too much. Um, we've had too much fun at his expense, this and that. But since he got to Edmonton, he's kind of cleaned his act together. He got those new teeth that are very obviously new and very shiny and look like they hurt, quite frankly. Um... And he's been like a model citizen because, you know, he has to live in Edmonton, Canada for six months of the year. So he's been kind of fine, which is like what happened to Dennis Rodman when he got, you know, to Chicago with Michael Jordan. When McDavid was out, then Evander Kane is like, well, I'm not playing as much now, so I'm just going to get in fights and I'm going to do whatever I want. And it's like Dennis Rodman didn't have to go ever without Michael Jordan. So the sooner McDavid gets back, like the better off it is for Evander Kane and the rest of this team. Cause like you guys said, might need 150 points to make the playoffs. And I also, I should probably apologize. Totally forgot. I was talking to a pro Buffalo crowd here about Evander Kane. So I was like halfway through <laughs> oh, that. Listen, 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 you're yeah, helping my, yeah, you're helping like, my oh, point. Shoot. You're helping my point. What's your Cause point? I was going to bring, I was going to bring up this Edmonton Oilers team. Feels, feels eerily similar to like the 2015 to 2018 Sabres teams. You know, you got Eichel, really good superstar. You got you got Ryan O'Reilly, who, who's his who's his 2C. You got Evander Kane, and then you got just, just not that good of depth. You know, at forward, defense, anywhere, and then two really bad goalies. You know, the the team that was just never consistent enough or never good enough to make the playoffs. But Edmonton's in the West, so they'll probably make the playoffs. That's I I wanna I wanna ask you guys a question here real quick before we move on to something else. So I know Connor McDavid still has a few years left on his contract, but there's some whirlwind going around that once that contract is up, McDavid is out of there. Do you guys do you guys would you guys like to think he is or kind of wait it out and see how it is? Again, like I think McDavid, like if th- this situation has not gotten any better, it actually feels like it's gotten worse for Edmonton than better, if anything. Well, they had the taste of like winning when they got to the conference final mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and they got murdered by Colorado because they had depth and good goaltending. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't. That's a really tough call to make. I mean, 
you don't ever see like in the NHL a superstar player like that like go to another team. Like for the most part, yeah. those kinds of players like that doesn't happen until like they're like late thirties when like they're yeah. pretty washed. So the NHL I, is like the most loyal league. I would be shocked if McDavid ever left Edmonton. Um, it would have to be in free agency if he left because no team would be able to give up what the Oilers were wanting a trade. It's unimaginable. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure like the Arizona Coyotes would give up Mullet Arena and everything inside <laughs> of it just to get like a sweater or something. Oh, that's great. I like that. But I... it's like if you you're McDavid, like how long do you just keep putting up with this AHL team? You know? And it's like you were saying, it's the most loyal league, but it's also like the least player friendly in the sense that it's like he's just tied to the Oilers. And they can't do anything. They can add people at the trade deadline. They can try and find someone off the street. But how much is it really going to help because he's only on the ice a third of the game? Yeah. I don't know. This is a tough situation just in general. Like, because they have really good players, but they, they, they fail as an organization to surround those players with complementary players to help them. Like, you don't need every player to be like a stud, but you just need to have the right guys around. Like, like Pittsburgh got Sidney Crosby and Malkin, like kind of like they McDavid and Drysaddle, like one A, one B, and they successfully were able to build a team around that. They like they invested on defense, they got good forward depth, and they had solid goaltending. Like uh, it, it's been proven that it could be done before when you have these, these franchise players, even if you have more than one. It's just it's just a failure across the whole organization, in my opinion. Yeah. It's tough nowadays too because every young player, you know, wants to cash in on that big money contract as soon as they can. And it it especially when you're the star player on your team, like McDavid is. Not saying he should be, you know, making less than he is because he's actually underpaid right now as it is. Um, I, I think you know. Players aren't thinking about the team when they're going into signing contracts, especially off their ELC. Because, you know, say McDavid doesn't take that $12.5 million contract and he takes like a $10 million contract, that's adding $2.5 million, you know, just to be able to sign anyone. That could be $2.5 million for depth right there. Great point. Um, so we're moving on here to our next segment. And there's three teams in particular that have started off hot. The reigning Stanley Cup champions in the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, and the Colorado Avalanche. Vegas, right now, to me, is a Stanley Cup favorite, and I don't think it's really particularly close. I, I know Colorado can compete with them in the West. And Boston loses Bergeron and Krejci, and they, they they literally have not lost a step at all. They still have Allmark and Swayman, definitely the best goalie duo in the league. And... I'm sorry. I know we said I said it in the la- in their power rankings again. I'm sorry to Boston Bruins fans for having you guys finish fifth in the Atlantic. It's probably going to be second. But anyways, though, yeah, those those teams are setting off hot and they're all looking to possibly win another Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I, I think I think when the season starts, usually you know the the, the reigning Cup champion is always going to be the the Cup favorite for that season. Well, yeah, but I, personally, I think Vegas is kind of like. Not running away with being the favorite, but I thought I thought they were going to have like this hangover and everything and kind of get ahead of themselves. And they haven't missed the beat. They picked up right where they left off when they last played in the playoffs. But that was just my whole like view on it. I mean, yeah, with Vegas, I mean, 
normally when teams are coming up with Stanley Cup, like they normally start the year off a little bit slower. I mean, they were they had they had a long summer, like they played a lot of hockey. There's usually a lot of big injuries to carry over into the next year because guys are playing hurt in like the Stanley Cup final. And then when you win, you like you kind of party all summer, like you celebrate. I mean, you work your ass off. Like this is a far like this is what they've been working their whole lives to achieve. And they finally accomplished that and they're rightfully celebrating all summer. So normally like when they come in to start the year, they're it's really a hangover because like they're still hung over their success from last year. And that does not seem to be affecting Vegas. Uh, they look more determined than ever before. Like, I don't know like who in the West could stop this team right now. Nobody. Colorado. No, but Nope. I don't think they I do. Think you want to know? I think it's the only team that has a chance. No, you want you want to know why? Because of the goaltending advantage, which is huge. Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill can I are the second best goalie duo in the league right now. No. Yes. Oh, oh what do you mean no? Logan Frederick Anderson and Anti. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there is no that, way that, you're that being is the serious. Se- that is the second best goaltending. There is tandem. no way you're being serious. I did. I, I, it's I, Olmark I, and Swayman, Frederick Anderson, and Anthony. Are Ranko. you kidding me? Aiden Hill got hot at the right time. That's why they won the cup. He I got hot at the right time. That is more, a horrible take. I think Vegas's goaltending is more of a result of how good of a team they are. They don't allow allow a lot of high danger chances. I mean, and the goalies like play well. Like I'll give them credit, but they make they they're not challenged a ton. But to their credit, also like when they need to make a big save, they do. Uh, I wouldn't say Aiden Hill's like an elite goalie or anything. He's the right goalie for that team. You, I can't agree with that point you made, Preston. Um, that Aiden Hill is just—I think Aiden Hill is more um, of like what Vegas does defensively than Logan Thompson. I truly think Logan Thompson is a much better goalie than Aiden Hill, deservedly so. But Aiden Hill is at two point one six goals against nine fifteen save percentage, and literally Logan Thompson is a nine twenty save percentage. So. I think both goalies are as around are better than Frederick Anderson and Antiranta as a whole. However, I will give some excuses to Carolina, which they have dealt with injuries, uh, not only Frederick Anderson and Aranta, but also up front in front of them as well. We already know Brett Press, he's out for four to six weeks. So I think you can give some leeway to them. And defensively wise, Vegas is 100% better than Carolina. But it comes to a point where it's like, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson are putting up better stats than Anderson and Ranta, and I was I'm hoping that Anderson can get off on a better foot because not only is the dude so likable, but also I just want to see him fight and you know win a cup and just all of his hard work pays off, and I I think that would be nice. But right now, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, in my opinion, are better. But that's just it's opinion based. So and then, yeah, no. I think Samsonov and Wool are a better tandem than any of those ones. So, right. <laughs> I mean, you just say right. Samsonov and good in the same sentence. <laughs> that half second pause was like the longest of my life. I was like, "Oh man, these guys definitely don't know that I'm just trying to throw a joke out there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although Wool might finish with a goals against average under one and a save percentage of nine nine nine. So, I mean, yeah, you know why? Because he's going to get a season and an injury right now. <laughs> Bro, shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. I hope so. Leafs fans, um, shut up in the comments. Leafs fans. Um, but, yeah, with the Boston and Colorado, though, Boston, 
I think their depth is proven to be uh, great as well. They potentially have a Calder finalist on that team as well, and their defensive core is one of the best in the league, their blue line-wise. And then Colorado-wise, they're they're one of the deepest teams in the league as well. All three of these teams have great depth, and I, if I'm being 100% honest, I would not be shocked if all three of these teams end up in the their conference finals, and it wouldn't be a shocker if two of these three, well, it can't be two of these three, but if um, Vegas or Colorado, they're going to probably end up facing each other unless they deal with injuries, and then Boston, unless they deal with injuries or, you know, start slumping at the wrong time, I think they'll end up in the conference finals as well. I know that's a long time to go. It's kind of an overreaction from the start of the season, but that's just how I feel. Yeah. I mean, my thing with Boston is that I don't really think they've played a, a, a lot of really good teams yet. I mean, they played Chicago twice. They played the Sharks. They played the Ducks twice. They lost to the Ducks. Uh, I mean, the only good teams, in my opinion, that they beat are the, the Kings or the Red Wings. Um, I want to see how they do against better teams. Um, I still think they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're a cup contender, though. That's no, it's I, really... I Go. I was just going to say, it's really funny how Boston fans, after so many years of them claiming, like, you know, we're done overreacting. We're done to having expectations, this and that. Then they start 6-0, and oh, and everybody's like, well, you guys have fucking played the Sharks twice and the Ducks and this and that. And it's like, we're supposed to beat those teams, though. Let us celebrate this. You guys said we'd fall off. It's like, you can't have it every single way. Yeah, you should have won, but it's also, you know, you won 3 nothing against the Blackhawks twice. Congratulations. And they have a tougher schedule coming up. They play Toronto this week. Uh, they play Florida tomorrow. Uh, they play Stars, the Islanders. So they're going to play a lot, some better teams. So we'll see how they do that. And like, yeah, yeah. Eventually, when they play Buffalo, it's going to be a seven nothing kick, ass kicking. Except it's going to be in Buffalo's favor. Uh, yeah. That's totally not me being biased. I, 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 I do have something funny to bring up. Yeah. So no, all three of these teams they have one thing in common. They all suffered terrible losses to non-playoff teams from last year. You know, Colorado just shut out by the Penguins for nothing. Uh, I believe Vegas was beaten in overtime by Chicago, and then Boston was up two with under that three minutes bad. to go yeah, and lost in bad. overtime. That was bad. How do you lose to Anaheim? Yeah, Anaheim's better. Like, they I mean, are better. They're, they're 500 right now. You lost to fraudulent Trevor Zegers. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, uh, we're going to move on here to our last segment of the day. And it's the NHL came out last week talking about decentralizing the NHL draft. I just want your guys' initial thoughts, whether it's what you're thinking now or what you first thought of when you heard of this. I, I don't like it. I don't. I think they, they took the one thing that made the NHL draft special is like having all those people there, having them all go on that stage for that moment. A lot of players, like, they dream of going up there, you know, meeting the coach, meeting the GM, getting the picture taken with the whole organization. Their, their whole family is there in person. Like, I don't like how the NFL draft works. And if the NHL wants to make it like the NFL draft, like, my biggest thing with the NFL draft is it's freaking boring. Like, between picks, nothing's happening because it's just – it's pretty much like a stage show. When the commissioner comes out every, like, 15 minutes and reads a name, and the NHL, you got all, all the GMs, all the staff sitting on the floor. It's really good for trades, too, because you can just go up into a table and talk to a guy. You don't have to deal with him on the phone. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, no. My first thought was, why? Because that is – if I'm watching any of the drafts out of any of the four major sports, it's, it's hockey because you can feel that that moment actually matters. 
you know, to the player, to the, to the organization. And then, you know, like you said, you know, trades could be talked through throughout the season and they don't get done, but on draft night, you can get face to face and actually, you know, talk out what you're thinking and how you, how you want to do a trade. And that, that could be the ultimate, you know, decision on if it gets done. And now they just want to take that all away. I mean, how many big trades have been done at the draft? Like tons of them. Yeah. What PK Subban, Ryan O'Reilly was traded at the draft. You know, one year. Yeah. Kirby doc. Yeah. There's there's always a blockbuster or two trade every year at the draft. Less recently. I mean, you know, doc was traded what last year. Yeah. At the draft, but that was a big trade in my opinion. It was, it was definitely because they were in Montreal, Montreal trades for him. Mm-hmm. He get that huge crowd reaction. I feel bad for Kirby Doc. Poor kid yeah. can't catch a break. Yeah. I assume after this news, Gary Batman in 2025 will spin it as yes, yeah, was a smashing success, even though it won't be. The reception's been great, even though it wasn't. And then he'll be like, yeah, so actually on the heels of this starting in 2026, we're just going to melt the ice and then we're going to play in a pool. Because <laughs> it's like, why don't we take things that make the game work, tinker it so nobody likes it, and it becomes like every other cookie cutter thing. Like, why? There was n- nothing wrong with this format. I can't imagine that half of the GMs were like, yeah, no, we don't like this. I know it comes down to probably like an owner vote or whatever. That's how they decided it. But there's no way that many of them could have had that big of a problem with it. And now it's like a whole bigger thing. And it takes away from that experience and the ambiance. And it's like NHL isn't marketing itself well enough to have something like a draft without those people there. You know what I mean? Because now what are they going to do to kill time instead of talking to people because they're right there or showing teams going through whatever it's just not – it's going to be like all the other ones, but done much worse because it's the NHL. Yeah, I mean, that was a cool thing. Like, like right after you, like, a player got drafted, like, yeah, they would interview the player, but they interview the GM sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. why did you pick this guy? Like, that doesn't happen in other leagues where, like, they're right there. You see, like, they literally wait for them to walk off the stage. They walk down there, the reporter grabs them to sit down with them. Sometimes they sit down with them with the player. Like, th- th- those cool little moments are what I'm going to miss with the draft. And, and we wouldn't have got the the picture of Connor Bernard signing his contract at the draft table. Well, just think about like a couple of years ago when like uh, Shane Wright stared down the Canadians. Yeah. Like those kind of moments aren't going to happen anymore. Yeah, like- no, exactly. It's it's truly it's truly unfortunate. And I about the marketing thing or whatever. Um, I just want to put out there before we end this that I didn't know the Oilers. Well, the Oilers. It doesn't matter. I didn't know there was a Heritage Classic going on uh, today until I went on Twitter at like midnight last night, and somebody brought up they didn't know about it either. Oh yeah, but well, come on, the game was on TBS, man. <laughs> so <laughs> was the one last year. I hate the marketing. There was one last time. year. I yeah, wait, was it last year? No, it was two years ago. We went to that game. Yeah, we did. That was on TNT. That game. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. You're Maple right. Leafs fans right. get screwed. Um, anyways, though, we appreciate you guys stopping by. And of course, all of our socials and Stevens is down below as well. If you guys want more content, the subscribe button is as well. And of course, we'll see you guys on Friday's episode.